Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you think the Omicron variant sounds like a Kraftwerk album, by the way? Omicron variant. It does a bit, yeah. Trans-European Omicron... <laughs> Yeah, or like, I mean, or like a, a Jason Bourne adventure or something. I'm just trying to put a positive spin on it, Craig. You know, it's typical you, man. All right, what's that supposed to mean? Typical you, always putting a positive spin on things. Sickening. That's what they say. That's what they say. Right, let's start the show. is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore for the final time in 2021 from a regular episode point of view perspective yeah. uh, and that means chatting it up with my boys Adam Shanahan and on mic Craig Fitzpatrick over Hello. Zoom yeah over Zoom as it has been for the past two years nearly I'm doing all right man how are you fine yeah December baby it's all happening it really is yeah did um Storm Barra treat you well in West Dublin <laughs> Yeah, uh, intimate and 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 smooth. Uh, yeah, it was fine. Not a lot happening. No, yeah, it was fine. I, 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 yeah, I live in Dublin, so it it wasn't terrible. Uh, I didn't give I your like, exact whereabouts there. You'll be you'll be glad to hear. Sure, I'm moving soon. You know, oh, like I'm true, gonna. Yeah. I, I wonder if the show will sound radically different in approximately a month's time. I guess we'll find <laughs> out. But yeah, essentially, I uh, it was fine. I, I love a good storm when nothing horrible so happens. Yeah, it's like my favorite sound in the world is rain against a window. Like it's oh, a the first thing. the first day, it was really whipping up, and it was like six in the morning. And I didn't have to go into work and it just mm. was so good. It was like nice, isn't a it, yeah? great hour. Yeah. Homer Simpson bed stuff, you know, it's good. Homer Simpson bed stuff sounds <laughs> pretty, <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, get your mind out of the gutter, listener. But, uh, and bring it back, reset it, if you will, to the year 1999. Summertime for humanity, as some have called it. You know what? Before we get, move on here, I need to call out somebody. Yeah, I, I was going to say, out. <laughs> yeah. it's not 2002. I need to call out, <laughs> I need, I need to call out my, my friend, 
and my housemate, Richard Chambers, who actually was on the penultimate episode of the show last year, started wrestling yeah. songs. Yeah, Craig skipped out on that one, but he's here now. Um, Richard did a thing on Today FM during the week with Matt Cooper, the Culture Club, where he was going through all his like you know favorite albums, favorite songs, favorite book, whatever. Pretty good. But he began by saying that when he was a youngster, he was big into the Red Hot Chili Peppers and big into the By The Way album. I think it was the first album he ever bought or something. And he referred to 2002 as, quote, summertime of humanity. <laughs> I was disgusted. I, I, I'm enjoying the fact that that is clearly like a a meme that ha- we have inserted into Richard's head. But it's just Apparently. like in the translation process, something has gone drastically awry. There's many problems with all of that stuff coming from Richard. Yeah. Because, well, I will say this. Yeah. Go on. No, no. You, no you, we'll you, prob- we might get on, into it in the top five, but I mean, by the way, was his first Chili Peppers album. I mean, they had another album in the actual Summertime for Humanity. That's yeah, which saying. of course is 1999. I will say Richard redeemed himself later that evening when he, uh, of his own volition, I didn't even make him do this. He went through like Wikipedia because I told him what the show was this week. So he was like taking me, he wanted me to guess every Irish number one in 1999 through uh, What fun you have in West Dublin. Oh, it was incredible, Dublin. yeah. It was amazing. West Dublin. And it was just like fucking, uh, I, I had to guess my own clues. It was all very much. And my, my, my brain was fried by the end of it. I did very well, though. Um, I eventually gave up when he got as far as 2004, I think. Skipped a few years here and there, but I was like, I'm going upstairs now. I have podcast stuff to <laughs> it do. didn't give you any ideas, did it? I, I don't want a quiz, Dave. I'm not ready. No, 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 okay. no. I promise. Gosh. No, no, but th- th- we might do a quiz oh, no. <laughs> to bring the show back next year. Oh, we did right, like a proper one. Yeah, yeah, You have yeah. to defend your title, but like that's, like, that's down the line for now, listeners. First of all, by the way, it is the end of your episodes coming up. When are they coming up, you ask? I'm here to tell you. We'll record them this weekend, Touch Wood Nothing Goes Wrong, with Zara Hederman. And the first episode, Songs of the Year 2021, will drop on Friday, the 17th of December. The following episode, and the actual final episode of the year, For No Encore, the albums of 2021, will land on Christmas Eve, December 24th. So, yeah, we're still with you for a while. I, I noticed, Craig, a lot of places have dropped their list this week, but we're waiting for ours. We're holding back, you know? Yeah, I mean, we can reveal that we are actually pretty much locked in. So just in case people are like <laughs> thinking that just before we hit record, we're still scribbling down. No, stuff no, 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 yeah, no. We're, we're committed. We have our list. We have everything we in are. front of us. Apart it's from very the, daunting. the debating, a, which, which I must occur. say, I like I want to spend a good chunk of this week really focusing on the year that's been 2021 and getting prepped for that. But instead, it just became me deep diving into 1999 <laughs> yeah so we'll see well, initially we were kind of like well what top five would we do for last one of the year and you were kind of saying that we should maybe do like Irish number ones from before 2000 because we did 2000 to 2021 yeah. a year and a half ago I think it's unfinished business and then out of nowhere I was like what if we just go full summertime for humanity and do best and worst songs from 1999 I'm on worst I know I was on worst last week for Christmas songs but it felt right because you know it just felt right. Craig's on best. Yeah, I'm not sure there were five. any bad songs in 1999. But um, yeah, yeah well, no, it was, it, it was incredible <laughs> seeing you, um, you know, right there and then come up with the idea. It was like, you know, McCartney coming up with Get Back. You were just like, mm-hmm. hold on, top five, yeah. Summertime for Humanity. And, and I was really hungover as well, if I recall correctly. I think I was like, 
you were coming at me and I was like, oh yeah, I, I told you. I, I, <laughs> Hounding I, I, you. Yeah. I was like, I, I told you I'd get back on this one. I was like, give me an hour. And then that turned into two hours. And then I don't know where I was like, fucking 1999. Let's do it. So yeah, what can I say? I am who I am. And this episode is what it is. Listeners, thank you so, so much for listening to us this year, by the way. I'll probably do another thank you in the last episodes. But for now, as part of the regular episodes, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope it's been a pleasure for you. I don't know if it is or not. Tell us more. You can always get us, of course, uh, at No Encore Show on Twitter. You can follow us and support us on Patreon if you want to it's patreon.com slash noencore some bonus content there but as we've always said about the patreon it's very much a reflection of you know we try our very very best with the show it is a labor of love it's an independent vehicle uh craig and i are are, are often worked to the bone but we yeah. will never not find time for this Capitalism, love, baby. <laughs> it's everywhere uh i'm on at 7 a.m tomorrow but here's the thing right it's like we love the show um it's been a huge outlet for us this year um and it was an absolute pleasure to see people kind of get in touch recently on the back of the spotify thing and be like you know, I'm over in this part of the world and you guys keep me company and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's great. not looking for plaudits or praise um, no. and, well, you know, here and there. So, yeah. But, uh, as I always say, tell your friend, word of mouth is the best advertiser and if you want to help support the show as we go into a new year, help us keep the lights on and all that kind of stuff, it's patreon.com slash noencore. Your support, whatever it is, is hugely, hugely valued and thank you so, so much for, for bringing No Encore into your ears and into your life every week. We love it. We love you. You're great. But for now, we move on with the show. <laughs> Hey, you heard about the good news? And I'm back on the contentious Queen Beach this week. Dave, for what are you week. doing? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Radio Nova in Excelsis. Craig uh, mostly took care of the news section this week yeah. and I felt a bit guilty. So I dove in at the last minute last night and I threw two news stories in to, and I put them at the top of the section. Very just important. To yeah. <laughs> Uh, move over Brian May Roger Taylor wants a word is my headline here Roger Taylor drummer for Queen has questioned Sasha Baron Cohen and his acting ability speculating that he would have been quote shit performing the role of Freddie Mercury in the 2018 Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody which of course was headlined by Rami Malek who won the Oscar which is one of those decisions that will live in infamy, I would say. Um, this might be a good opportunity to ask, have you seen that film? Still haven't watched it, no. I can't Craig. bring myself to it. I've heard such awful, awful things. And I don't know, I think I've asked you before, and it doesn't seem to quite be in, like, so bad it's enjoyable territory, is it? Should I watch it over Christmas? There's a couple of moments. You probably should watch it over Christmas with, okay. like a, with a belly full of wine or something. You know? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really bad movie. Uh, it was the first film that we did on No Popcorn, by the way. So go all the way back there if you oh, want to hear me. Yeah, that was a good episode. Higgs and I talking about it. Well, if that we didn't both, convince me. <laughs> <laughs> we, were both, we were both fairly upset. But the point is, why is this being linked together with Sasha Baron Cohen? Because Sasha Baron Cohen, famous for Ali G, of course, and various other, you know, Borat, your Borats, your Brunos, um, he was originally slated to play Freddie Mercury years ago uh, the film was actually announced in 2010 and in mm. the summer of 2013 Sasha Baron Cohen pulled out of the project he said that Roger Taylor and guitarist Brian May wanted to protect their legacy as a band rather than tell the wild, wilder stories from Mercury's private life now the urban legend goes that they <laughs> the the script that Roger Taylor and Brian May had approved was one where Freddie Mercury dies halfway through Sensational. and the second half of the film is about how Roger Taylor and Brian May and John Deacon like picked up and carried on and where they went with their career and I think Sasha Brown Cohen was like nobody wants to see that no. but Creative differences meant he left the project. And now Roger Taylor, eight, well, I guess 11 years later, or, you know, overall, 
has hit out. Speaking to Classic Rock magazine, he said, I think he would have been utter shit. Sasha is pushy, if nothing else. (laughs) Pushy. He's also six inches too tall, but I watched his last... I watched his last five films and came to the conclusion that he's not a very good actor. Do you think, well, like, was it around film three or four or, like, <laughs> how far did he go? Does five films go back to fucking, you know, Ballad of Ricky Bobby or whatever? I don't know. How do you gauge it? Yeah, Sweeney Todd. Um, so he then goes on to say, I might be wrong there. <laughs> Immediately backtracking. I thought he was an utterly brilliant, subversive comedian. That's what he's great at. Anyway, I think Rami did a brilliant job in an almost impossible role. I would mm. disagree myself, personally. He closes off by saying that the film didn't fictionalise the real story only in detail and it messed with the timeline. Grave differences. A poetic license is fine, I suppose. Roger Taylor, uh, famed auteur, apparently, says, when you're making a movie which is approximately 100 minutes long. You have to mess with the timeline to make it work. The movie has to work. That's priority one. Now, he mentions a 100-minute film there. Bohemian Rhapsody is 134 minutes long, by the way. So enjoy that, Craig. I love that, like, he's he's going in-depth into the whole process, but he doesn't think that, like, the height thing could be resolved with some, you know, studio trickery. Yeah, he's obviously just still a bit sore at the fact Sasha came out and was like the band wanted to play it really straight which they did remember it was David Fincher saying that Sasha Baron Cohen really wanted to include a lot of the more risque stuff as well and just have like all the kind of mythical orgy scenes and all of that kind of stuff it probably would have been absolutely tremendous maybe a car crash I can totally see why Queen vetoed it Wait, was David Fincher attached to that project at some point? Yeah, no he way. was, yeah. Well, he spoke out about it and I think he'd he'd said that Cohen would have been spectacular, so he was somehow involved at one point, yeah. Wow, that would have been... I mean, I love Fincher and his... You, you could argue his project picking is kind of strangely conventional in a way. Like, he's mostly just yeah. making book adaptations of trashy stuff these days, but a David Fincher queen film, I know. I don't know. Been great. Could have been great. But um, trying to be great... Trying to Remain Great, Craig, is a, a Belgian death metal band that have gotten a lot of press this week because they're called Omicron and they said they will not change their name despite the fact that Omicron is currently touring the world itself, you could say. <laughs> um, as the very continues to spread, this band who spoke to Vice, who else Applause this week? Applause for Adam, uh, it should be pointed out. And I presume the li- you, the listener. <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone has stopped their podcast to run into the room and like put it on speaker. You have to listen to this. He nailed Moment it. Moment of 2021. What can I say? I'll give, listen, I'll give it to you like, like, like 100% on this show until the very end, Craig. Uh, whatever that means. Nobody can predict that this would happen said the band in a statement. We hope the people see that. Are we planning to change our name? Hell no. We will not let a virus determine the way our concept should be perceived. They specify that they pull their name from the Omicron galaxy system and not, in fact, the new variant of COVID-19. So maybe questions to be asked of the galaxy system. I mean, what's going on there? Yeah, maybe. Big galaxy. Um, so they said that they're not profiting off this at all. We're going to tread carefully. We don't want the world to think that we're thriving on other people's suffering. Yeah, just a very a voice. <laughs> it's a very wholesome statement for a death metal band to make, isn't it? Um, and they've releasing a, 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 their debut single came out this year called Revelations of Man. I haven't heard it yet. And yeah, they're basically just saying like, you know, look, it's nice to get some exposure, but we don't want to be thought of as villains or whatever. Yeah, but the Coronas had this problem, didn't they? They did, yeah. And they also didn't, you know, court any publicity for it. It's it's kind of one of those things where you go, oh my God, isn't that a, you know, awful thing to happen to a band? And then you kind of get over it quite quickly. And I'm sure they did. And people are ab- able to distinguish. The only thing I can think of that would affect them in this regard is that they will now become impossible to like Google search. 
So maybe oh, they yeah. have to throw in a few Vs or whatever acts do nowadays to make them searchable. Probably, yeah. Well, listen, we wish them luck. And the Coronas as well, who've been playing a few shows, I think, as shows shut down once again. It's a great time for music. Uh, everyone's been saying it, by the way, but uh, obviously if you're a fan of any Irish acts at all, maybe consider supporting them over Christmas because I've seen a lot of people kind of say stuff like, oh, we're in debt now because yeah. we have so much merch that we can't shift. And, you know... Ultimately, people are probably more likely to be at a show post-gig in a good mood, a few drinks in them and be like, oh yeah, I'll buy that scarf, I'll buy that fucking vinyl, as opposed to sitting down to band camp on a cold Friday morning when you're at work. So it's a difficult time out there for acts and for artists, and despite my big fucking, hey, support no encore on Patreon thing earlier on, if it's even the difference between throwing us a fiver and throwing a fiver to like whoever, go with them. They need it more than we do. And it's a really well, fucking rough time. Well, <laughs> no, I, I mean, listen, you, you can make that decision. You know, I, I don't want to influence you, but it is a rough time and I've seen an awful lot of people kind of suffering at the moment so like you know I think everyone's going to pull through it as always but the arts industry at the moment is hurting massively so yeah, it's tough out there but you know we'll get through it we always do Greg do you have any good news for us? Yeah, it's not tough out there for Rihanna. I believe she's a billionaire now. Uh, she's a, a national, national hero. hero in Barbados and um, good news for us I guess. New music is coming Soon, soon, soon is the direct quote. And um, that either means she's very excited about it and it is coming very soon or she was just being asked a question as she was getting into a taxi. It might Leave be me alone. the latter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's phrased in this new story is um, any new music? Anything? Someone asked Rihanna in a clip. See below. <laughs> to which she simply responded soon, soon, soon. Um, and she'd been talking about it back in September as well. Uh, talking to the Associated Press. She said, you're not going to expect what you hear. Just put that in your mind. Whatever you know of Rihanna is not going to be what you hear. She's talking about herself in the third person now. I guess that's fine. I'm really experimenting and music is like fashion. You should be able to play. I should be able to wear whatever I want and I treat music the same way. So I'm having fun and it's going to be completely different. She was talking to the Associated Press about her latest Savage V or X Fenty show. So obviously just like an absolute pro working in, you know, bringing it back to the fashion thing there. Yeah, so yeah. who Smart. knows? I'd love I'd love a new album. Maybe like a Christmas surprise drop, like a Beyonce or a D'Angelo would be oh, wow. great. Well, hang on. Um, have I got this right? If she does release next year, for example, will that be seven years since the last one? Um, Six, right? 2016? Okay. Was that, yeah, yeah, was that Auntie? Auntie was the last one, I think. Yeah. Which I thought was only okay. Everyone loved it, though. I thought it was great. It's quite daring. Some of her best songs on it. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of work. But um, I'll go back to it. Maybe yeah, I'll give it another listen. But, uh, well, you know, keep an eye on that one, would you? You can be our Rihanna correspondent. Yeah, over forward. Christmas. I'll <laughs> do a few <laughs> so hours that's each the, day. That's <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, you have to watch and you have to, ch- to check in on the status of Rihanna's new album. Yeah, on a daily basis. Um, do you, you want to talk about Drake? Not really. Yeah, me neither. I'm looking at the story and it's a bit boring. He's pulled out of the Grammys. <laughs> okay. Um, Ivor Novello stands unclear as yet. Um, I'm thinking he's pulled out because he's realised his stuff is rubbish. So he's one of uh, five nominees for Best Rap Album for Certified Lover Boy. <laughs> wow. And Best Rap Performance for which song, Dave? Oh, uh, what was the one? I, I've genuinely forgotten. Oh, the one with the thing. The, um... The, way the, too sexy. Way too sexy. Future and Young Tug. So, yeah. I'd say Future's raging. Um, but yeah, he's <laughs> he's been an outspoken critic of the Grammys for absolutely years. It makes sense. The only thing that doesn't make sense, and I believe it's unprecedented, is that, like, it was the label put the stuff in, and then it's been taken out, which is a bit of a weird one. But yeah, just kind of... Grammys, probably it's time is up. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe Listen, it should be replaced. I, I, Who knows? T- 
to be fair, I think time is up as well on Drake for a while because, like, yeah. Craig, I think the listeners aren't interested in the musical pursuits of, say, you know, a kind of a reclusive, out of touch millionaire who they'll never get to know personally. So, with that in mind, can you please tell me about what Prince William listens to when he wants to get going in the morning? He wants to shake you all morning long. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was trying to work on a headline with Thunderstruck in it, but it was just, it was a bit unpalatable. Yeah, the 39-year-old royal, second in the line of succession to the British throne, behind his father, Prince Charles, has told listeners to Apple Fitness Plus's Time to Walk series. Have you checked it Excellent, out, Dave? Yeah. No, I haven't. The Somehow it now, folks. escaped me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the 1990 single from ACDC Thunderstruck is the soundtrack to his Monday mornings as he psychs himself up for another week of doing whatever it is that royal princes do. Here's the direct quote. There's nothing better than on a Monday morning when you're a bit bleary-eyed after the weekend. What? Out on the What's lash or something. Like... I don't know. <laughs> There's been some rumours. Um, and trying to get yourself back into the grind of the week. The grind. Yeah, he's <laughs> on Slack, to, is he? <laughs> listening to ACDC Thunderstruck. Yeah, he goes he's on. catching up with his emails. You know, he's he just is, like... Yeah. He says, I have to say, the first time I put it on, and I've heard it a million times now, I was kind of like, well, this is quite heavy for a Monday morning. But now when I listen to it, it's the best tonic for a Monday morning. It absolutely wakes you up puts your week in the best mood possible and you feel like you can take on anything and anyone. I don't know. Is he taking on? The the man. Leading, yeah, Britain into battle against the French or something. I'd imagine you're going to walk quite fast listening to it. Maybe with a skip in your step with the head, with the head banging. It's a difficult song not to dance to or to not long to. I'm just skipping down the road, head banging to Thunderstruck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like in, in your uh, local village. There's Prince William, listen to his metal. Uh, I, I guess we should qualify this by saying that he was asked. I assume he was literally asked, what song gets you going in the morning, Will? Yeah, I mean, he's on Time to Walk, you know. It's um, Apple Fitness Plus's premiere show, so it's going to be skewed in that direction, isn't it? So uh, were you surprised by this? Um, a little bit, although maybe I shouldn't shouldn't be because um, back in 2014, actor Dominic West revealed that Prince Harry, who is related to Prince William, I think maybe no longer legally, but in terms of blood, he's a he's a fan of hardcore trash metal. So there's but a he's kind the, of connection there. He's the rock and he's, roll one. Though. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I probably would have expected William to maybe go with Queen. They're all muckers queen. ACDC feels a bit... I mean, it's That's part of the Commonwealth stuff. Queen's a bit on the nose, you know though, I mean? isn't it, Craig? Like, come on. I mean, you know, they've just lost Barbados. Maybe he's just trying to get in those Aussie votes. Um, yeah, not this that is people like, get a vote when it comes like, to the Commonwealth. This, this is... <laughs> That's how it should be. Historically, uh, yeah. As we know, uh, you, you can't mess with an empire, Craig. You know, like there are certain things established in this world that we shouldn't mess with. But very this true. is like saying like he might as well be a royal blood fan. Do you know what I'm getting at here? You know, it's a bit kind of like, uh uh-huh. Yeah, it's very on the nose. And uh, yeah, Dominic West, who... Dominic West... Have you seen some of his online content? He lives online in like... Online content? <laughs> I saw oh, him having like... an affair with Lily James, was it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah but prior to that, or maybe post to kind of repair his family man image. Sorry, he lives just... in Ireland... And he's married... He, sorry, go on. He, he went to Trinity, but like that, that thing of like... Not to get into Dominic West's personal life too much here. Oh, but come like, on, let's do it. It's the well, last when, It's the last episode, yeah. When that scandal did the rounds, did you see like how he handled... Him and his wife like called... Basically, basically like either called a weird reporter press, press conference yeah. to their press to their house, which they're like big rich cottage or something. Or maybe there was press outside, but they like... They went out to the media hand in hand and like handed them a note or something. Yeah, that I remember like, we them were at, staying like, together. doorway... 
just kind like, of fuck is this? show of unity as if they were royalty this is the thing he's got heirs yeah. and graces because she is I think part of some like landed gentry family that owns some like Irish old Irish home um, which I think he can do tours of at certain parts of the year and he just is very much like Lord of the Manor. Unbelievable. <laughs> There's an amazing YouTube video where like I guess some architectural series you know was invited in and he is very into the whole thing with his like cap and his whole she seems grand actually um, because she's well, been yeah, living there all her life she, and she's, she is the you know, wronged yeah. party in this whole situation also I should note that the next episode of No Popcorn which I swear we're recording pretty soon is Rockstar in which Dominic West oh, plays man. a Brian Maya-like so you know we look forward to that one but um, one last rock band on the agenda though Craig Star Sailor what are they yeah, up to this week it's what close the year with Star Sailor unless <laughs> they feature in the end of year lists I don't know they release it. <laughs> No, no, no spoilers. <laughs> They've been going back to not quite summertime for humanity. Back to two thousand and one. Um, James Walsh, who comes across very well, it must be said in this new enemy article, um, has talked about the misconception that post Britpop bands like Star Sailor were just a stopgap before the Strokes and the White Stripes. So they're celebrating twenty years of their debut album, Love Is Here, uh, deluxe reissue. Go and get that now, and maybe some merch to support them. Um, he says one of the big misconceptions is that people were stood around waiting for the Strokes or the White Stripes to come around like they needed this big explosion. I love the Strokes, but there's a perception music fans needed this injection of life. But I remember our gigs and it was exciting to be part of the in caps, I remember our new gigs. acoustic movement. <laughs> and suddenly that genre came flooding back to me with Turin Rakes and Coldplay. Oh, People wow. coming were passionate and it certainly didn't feel like a stopgap. Gap year, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he probably has a point because at the time, the enemy didn't realise there was better bands coming along. So they were very much touting, you know, whatever was happening. But I remember it as being a bit of a dour time just before things really kicked off. Do yeah, you? lots like of... Was, yeah. Oh yeah, lots of like Travis fucking... And, Travis, yeah. I was about to say like yeah. miserable stuff like Travis and kind of like... Newton Faulkner, or is he a bit later, maybe, possibly? Just, like, that kind He's of... very much of that ilk, yeah. Wishy-washy British musician. Keen, obviously, on the rise. Like, Keen of a couple of bangers, but generally, he was kind of, like, athlete as well, or that kind of stuff, you know? Kind of taking cues from Oasis, but without any of the charisma, and, yeah, you know... a bit of dubs in there as well. Like, there's yeah. good stuff mixed in, but just kind of lots of just, like, sappy... Sad and guys, boy. you know, unassuming guys in like bootcut jeans and, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? When you see like the fucking strokes and Franz Ferdinand rock up and suddenly it's like exciting and there's yeah, like course, a scene yeah. going. And so of wait, course, is he making the argument would... that... Is he is he making the argument that Star Sailor were like on the verge of being this hot property, but then they were dropped like a bad habit once Julian Casablanca is like, you know, like pouted towards the camera? Is that what this is? There seems to be a bit of that, although he... You know, in the, I did actually look at the rest of the interview and he did one of those um, does rock and roll kill a brain cells thing where he's asked questions about his past and he's actually very unassuming and seems just happy with his lot. So I don't think he's that bitter. But certainly I think he's annoyed that retrospectively journos have been like, oh, at the time we were saying stuff was absolutely crap. There was nothing happening. He's like, well, I remember the articles where you're like, we're the shit, like giving us mm. five star reviews. And yeah, so fair. I suppose he just doesn't want to kind of whitewash the, history. The music media can be very fickle, Craig. And with they that can, in mind, yeah. why don't we go back to a simpler time when we weren't journalists? We were teenagers, right? And I wasn't well, quite a teenager, but yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> How much older am I than you? This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, my monologue in a minute isn't going to make sense. Yes, I wrote a monologue day. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I won't stand in the way of this. So it's top five time, everybody. Join us for one final top five of the year. I'm excited. It's top five best and worst songs of 1999. And I will now give it over to fucking Shakespeare over here. Okay, yeah, so at lunchtime I lost my mind. I've been very deep into 1999 and Adam, before you properly intro the thing, I'll give you a little setup. So, yeah, I think I was like 10, Dave. So picture the scene, all right? You're a young whippersnapper bouncing out of bed on a bright, clear day. Not a cloud in the sky. Why would there be? It's 1999. It's summertime for humanity. You turn on the radio, strawberry alarm clock's on, Jim Jim spinning Santana's smooth into lens steal my sunshine. There's a news bulletin. Bill Clinton's been fully exonerated. The global (laughs) economy is doing great. Everything's going to be okay. It's summertime for humanity. You head to school after checking on your Tamagotchi, which is now long since dead and stuck in a drawer, so you grab your Pokemon cards, Dave. (laughs) <laughs> you fail to secure a rare Mew card off some kid with a runny nose in the yard. And you rock up to class. People have copies of The Prisoner of Azkaban on their desks. It's summertime <laughs> for humanity. My God. You learn about how stupid people were in the past, but fascism has thankfully been vanquished. Globalism <laughs> and capitalism have ushered in a new enlightenment. It's the end of history. Eternal summertime, Dave. After school, you buy some sweets, which are brand new Euros. Oh, Euros and <laughs> You see Britney Spears on the cover of Rolling Stone. It's all very exciting. You walk home singing Pretty Fly for a White Guy with your mates. The prettiest girl in town overhears you and joins in because it's just that goddamn catchy. Surely <laughs> this must have been what Woodstock was like. Surely this is summertime for humanity. <laughs> Back home, Carson Daly's counting down even more hits. You don't really understand any of the videos, but you enjoy them, especially the J-Lo ones. You might throw on a DVD if you're lucky enough to have a player and moved over from VHS. Um, (laughs) Again, reference there to the technology of the time. (laughs) Some 90s disaster movie because only aliens and meteors can stop us now. But even then we shall overcome. Fuck Y2K, fuck the West Nile virus. It already seems quaint. It's summertime for humanity, damn it. We are unstoppable. Lance Armstrong cycling towards his first hearse to France. Stop stop this, please. Your granddad's asking his GP about Viagra. Your dad's telling you to get off the internet. He needs to use the landline. The world population has passed 6 billion people, none of whom are on Twitter. And you settle down that evening to watch the football. Man United have to score. They always score. They always score. And Solskjaer has won it. Name on the trophy, summertime for humanity. (laughs) You can take us in, Dave and everyone. I don't even know what to say. Like, I think I need... I think I need like a cigarette after that. I don't even smoke. <laughs> um, also, yeah, th- that was that was above and beyond. I, I'm so happy that you got. I hope you did that on work time, by the way. Like, I hope you got paid for that. Um, I didn't. But if people want to contribute to our Patreon, maybe I will get paid. For it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patreon.com/slash No Encore. If I mean, if, if if ever we can show you the dedication to the show, good. That was that was a roller coaster. My, my face is like sore. 
I had no idea that was coming. Oh, that was beautiful. Also, sorry, is this your first pick or was that just your your wonderful sign-off? No, no. Santana Smooth is... I think it's already pegged as a bit of a soundtrack of that year and a soundtrack, yeah. unofficial soundtrack of the show. So it felt like... We had it before Putting that well. at number one. We have. We, it was, I think, one of our number one summer songs, right? So Summer Jams, yeah. I think, possibly. Summer Jams, yeah, yeah, that yeah one, for yeah. sure. Go back to that episode, everybody. But stay with this one because I'm going to bring the mood down. Uh, <laughs> we have to start with worse so we can end with best. Yeah, let's do it. That's how it works. Now, listen, I will say, um, I think I've got a decent collection here. Um, I've got a couple of covers as well, but I think that's okay because, like, it's all about the pop culture. I, I can't possibly compete with Craig's monologue and I won't even try. But 1999 is revered as a year in pop culture, particularly when yeah. it comes to cinema. If you go through the list of films that were released that year, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm not going to remember them all here, but like The Matrix, The Virgin Suicides, Magnolia, Wild Wild West, obviously everyone's favorite film. Of you know, um, Loads more, Any Given Sunday. Like I'm forgetting stuff right now, but like 1999, like 1999 is held up there as like maybe the best fucking year ever in this regard uh, and when it comes to music for sure there's unbelievable stuff and I would say you had a very tough time this week picking just five but I know I didn't and as a matter of fact let's kick it off at number five with my number five body out there now watch yourself for you cause you can't go what is it really that is in your head what little life that you had just died I'm gonna be the one that's taking over now this is what it's like when Now, the problem with me picking Paraman 5000 and When Worlds Collide at my number five in the worst corner is that, Craig, of course, I inevitably got into this over the course of the week of listening to it. Oh, yeah, it's... I'm, I got into it over the 30 seconds of listening to it. This just kind of bolsters our arguments. Uh, 1999, a banner year. Undefeated. I wanted to pick a song that reflected the kind of music I was getting into at that time. And for some strange reason, Paraman 5000, also known as PM5K, uh, weren't on my radar. I was getting big into Slipknot and Linkin Park and Limp Bizkit and Korn around this time. But Paraman 5000 didn't really get there. Adam was correct to point out that this song, When Worlds Collide, was a course on the soundtrack to a Tony Hawk game, I believe, mm. and lots of other places. The name of the singer of this band, Craig, a guy called Spider One. Not bad. <laughs> Isn't he in Coronation his- Street? Spider. Um, I don't even know what accent I was going for there. I never watched Coronation Street. I was more of an EastEnders man until I wasn't. Um, so this is a band that's been around since 91. So they're around quite a while. And this is kind of their big hit. Um, of course, sorry, I'm only learning this information now. And of course, it makes so much sense. Spider One is the younger brother of what metal musician, Craig? Um, it can't be Spider Two because if he's the older brother, that would make sense. <laughs> Spider Zero? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I will say that this guy Is similar vocal Creed? No, no Similar vocal style And went on to become A filmmaker Oh god Who is Exclusively it? of Kind of hillbilly horror movies Oh Rob Zombie of course It's yeah, Rob yeah, Zombie yeah. I didn't even yeah. know that Actually I, I think that Adam and... might have been Mouting it there I didn't look though I didn't cheat uh, Spider-1's vocal style Is usually based in Spoken word or chanting um, I looked up This on YouTube of course Because that's where I do all my top 5 business So that no one can Peek on me on Spotify I am paranoid, everybody. And, is, that, um, is that actually true? It's actually true, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just in Dave, case. Come just on. in case. Just in case. Private session, like, at least. I do private session, yeah. I do that as well. But sometimes you're just like, you know, you, you can't be too careful. What if it shows up in the history or something? 
Uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you're that like, you're in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it could happen there as well. So I looked up uh, When Worlds Collide, Paramount 5000 on YouTube, listened to it a bunch, and the top comment, YouTube comments never let you down, the top comment is a guy called Raymond Hazard, who says, Me as a teenager, holy shit, this is fucking cool. Me as a 37-year-old, yep, still fucking cool. <laughs> it's all that kind nice. of stuff in there. So That guy's still cool. Um, I think it's just too disposable for me. Um, like I say, I do love new metal. I do love, you know, kind of angsty teen aggro rock and stuff. But I just thought it was too cheesy. Like, it's designed for, you know, pay-per-view intro videos, WWE stuff. And again, you know, stuff I would be into. But I just found it to be a little bit too kind of, you know, it's like a fucking... It's like someone got like a Pepsi and poured Coke into it and then poured Fanta into that and it's just shook it all up and it's just, it's it, it, there's no nutritional value here. At the same time... Yeah, maybe it's ahead of its time or something, but like, mm. I just, it'll give you a bit of an energy jolt. It was fun here in those 30 seconds, but it's a bad song. And I wanted to have representation of the music I was getting into at the time. So I felt it was a fair choice. I could have continued down that path, but I just did the one. So that's my number five. Craig, you're on the side of the angels. What you got? I am, yeah. And I guess maybe if people are coming new to this whole Summertime for Humanity thing, I think it might have been the Summer Jams where this originated, right? We talked about the, you know, my theory of not just looking at the kind of global situation, <laughs> but in terms of music, um, all the kind of big hits seem to be hits forever. There was a lot of like playfulness and optimism in them. They sounded like Summer Jams, like so many of them. And you kind of go, how in the Everliving Feck was there so many huge songs? So for my top five, I, what I tried to do was steer clear of stuff I wasn't familiar with at the time. Do you know what I mean? So I could have gone like with a, you know, Pavements, Spitting a Stranger or some, you know, The Roots and Erica Badu, but... I wouldn't be being true to my younger self. So these songs had to have a certain degree of like wide appeal and ubiquity just to kind of get into the list for me. So with that in mind, um, we'll kick off with a band that have kind of been whipping boys of the podcast in the, you know, in the past. Maybe the Eagles of the late 1990s. I feel like you need a bit of California sunshine though if you're in Summertime for Humanity. Chili Peppers and Scar Tissue. It was um, an early single from Californication, which came out that year and was absolutely massive. This was massive. Um, bigger in the US than over here, I believe. I always remember the title track kind of being everywhere. Um, remember the video for this. But yeah, it spent four months, I believe, at the top of the rock chart in the US. Um, was a real statement of intent. Uh, obviously, people will know the Red Hot Chili Peppers story of... They had a bit of a stumble in the mid-90s when John Frusciante left due to personal issues and um, addiction problems he was going through. Dave Navarro came in for one album, which wasn't that well received, uh, One Hot Minute. And um, finally, John Frusciante miraculously, I think, kind of cleaned himself up, came back from the brink and was welcomed with open arms um, by the band. Dave Navarro, I guess, excluded. I think it was kind of mutual. He just went off and did his own thing, got back with Jane's Addiction. But um, what a triumphant return. And they were everywhere that year. I remember as a kid, get it, buying the album and feeling like 
as opposed to a lot of the other maybe new metal groups around at the time or stuff I was buying, they felt a bit more um, considered, which sounds ridiculous now when you think of, yeah, it's like when you consider Kiedis' lyrics and stuff. But um, yeah, they just, they had that kind of bit of esteem and that vintage. And listen, I'm mainly picking this because I think whatever you think of Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Scar Tissue is maybe their one undeniable song and it's all for Shantae. One of my clips was going to be just that incredible solo, but I thought that was maybe a bit indulgent for a clip. But yeah, I mean, it's just pure sunshine. Such expressive playing, Dave. Such warmth in his tone. Yeah, and an amazing man. Uh, Richard Chambers, eat your heart out over here. Um, yeah. Now, first of all, I- I'll get into my thoughts in just a second, but the Eagles of the 90s, I'm not sure I've ever heard that expression before. Um, well, Is we're kind of something new. I mean, I just mean in terms of them being gigantic and being very associated with a specific period of time, but also being a bit derided and people going, those guys are kind of doofs. For hmm. Shantae, maybe excuse. Like, I just, they're cheesy. They're not that cool. They're very mainstream at a certain point. I think that's sure. the Eagles. And, you know, California. This album, this album was huge. I mean, this album's kind of, you know, it's probably not quite up there with the Garth Brooks and the David Gray albums of this world, but I do feel sure. like it would have been in a lot of Irish households. My brother had it and I listened to it religiously. Um, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I do yeah. think Scar Tissue is amazing. Um, Chilies are an act that I would certainly join in on, on, on the mockery of and <laughs> far from perfect. Um, sure, just that year, they were at Woodstock 99 and they encouraged some very bad crowd violence at a time when yeah. bad things were happening. So shame on them. Um, but you can't deny an undeniable song and a pretty good album from what I can recall. And even like, it was very exciting. You, you throw it on, like Around the World is the first track, isn't it? And it's like, it's got Great that incredible. It's just like, yeah, like, and it's, it's, it's real. Like, like, There's some great Other Side is that, yeah. amazing. And I remember yeah. like when I was learning to play drums, trying to nail that breakdown in, in, in Other Side because it's so much fucking fun. And yeah, no, I mean, like, Californication, actually, this the title track, I don't like a lot. I found, probably because of Overplayed, and also I found it just a bit t- too kind of, I don't know, like, languid or something, but it was it was a pop culture moment. Even, like, his fucking hair was a pop culture moment, like, you know, the yeah. short blonde thing, and it was, I don't know enough of them prior to this at that time. I, I wonder if this was something like a career rebirth or, like, a big second act for them, because oh, it was huge. Oh, totally. It seemed like they were done, I think, yeah. Really, and I saw them. I went. I went to see the only Slane I've ever been to was the following year when U two headlined, and I went to like the first show I think. And Chili supported them. They were like the main support act, and they were fucking incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's a classic album. I mean, I haven't gone back to it in a long time. I now kind of want to. I'm sure there's lots of filler on there, but I think you have in fact captured the moment. And yeah, like Frusciante's work alone is completely undeniable. So great choice. Thanks, Dave. Uh, you're very welcome. Number four for me. Uh, I mentioned soaps earlier on. I mentioned Coronation Street, but this is kind of in that vein, except it's from an Eastenderer. Is that a thing? Well, here she is at number four. That's enough of that. Uh, she's had her moment, Craig. She's had her perfect moment, and now it's time to give her a bit of a shooing. It's Martine Kimberly Sherry McCutcheon. McCutcheon, uh, great choice. <laughs> uh, perfect moment, uh, which I think is a cover. 
Uh, it is. It's a song recorded by a Polish singer called Edja Gorniak. Probably doing a butchering of that pronunciation. Uh, for her self-titled album in 1997. And this cover came along two years later for Marty McCutcheon's big I Can Do Everything Now. I'm, I'm, I'm a singer as well. Uh, and to her credit, um, it wasn't just a one-and-done musical thing for her. As a matter of fact, she released her most recent album in 2017, which is her fourth studio record, so she's still oh, right. at it. And appears to offend a bit of an audience. Um, and look, she's a likeable character. She played Tiffany, I think, on EastEnders. Is that correct? For yeah, a long time? that sounds about right. I don't know what she's doing these days, but she's, of course, in Love Actually, the worst film ever made. Uh, in which she plays the Prime Minister's aide or something, and, you know, he falls in love with her, and you can't possibly go out with this hag woman, this commoner. That's the message uh, of the film. I love when films do that, yeah. And it's like, she's a beautiful woman. What are you talking about? But that's the, you know, they're like, what, her? Uh, it's very, like, Arrested Development. Something similar happened in Succession. I won't spoil it for people, but um, gender the- reversal. But I was like, I hate when, like, shows are kind of... Suggesting oh, yeah. that characters aren't very charismatic, good-looking people. <laughs> yeah, well, at least in at least in Succession, I think it's kind of it's meant to be a bit knowing. The, the other character, yeah, is maybe doing a thing on purpose. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and it's like yeah. it's very clearly like a, like objectionable. They're like, no, this doesn't work. But I think back in two thousand three, people were like probably went along with it. But you know, happy ending, happy. I suppose. God, I hate that fucking film. Um, I don't hate this song, but it's sappy as hell, and it has it has all the hallmarks, Craig, of like yes. A guy in the studio smoking a cigarette at the desk, hired for the day, putting the just the most basic, familiar tones and textures, everything from the really plinky, cheap piano to the big and fucking kind of, wow, wow. Yeah, 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 and the big Disney strings there coming in at the end. It's just it's so done. It's so binomerous. It's so cheap and plastic and disposable. Uh, I think it did well when it came out. Probably uh, peaked at number two in the UK chart. No, sorry, no, the album peaked at number two in the UK chart. This was a number one. Um, wow. Yeah, number one single. And she, you know, has kept going. I think she's done stage stuff. She seems cool, but it's just so generic. Um, I will say, though, like, some of the reviews are hilarious. Like, uh, all music editor John Lucas placed McCutcheon alongside her idols, Barbara Streisand and Celine Dion. He stated Not that Barbara her... Barbara Windsor, no. <laughs> he said her voice soars on the chart-topping power ballad. Uh, Nigel Williamson from Billboard said it's a sweeping ballad in the style of Celine Dion. It's like, lads, like... Uh, Caroline Sullivan from The Guardian called it a titanic belter of a ballad noting the diva's vibrato Liverpool Echo said it's one of those soaring Streisand-like ballads that no one admits to liking but mysteriously sells hundreds of thousands of copies and as we all know Craig if it sells copies then it's good right that's how these things work Uh, Sunday Mirror said bound to be a huge hit sounds a bit like a breathy Kylie which is no bad thing and (laughs) yeah all that kind of stuff Uh, the the best one though is um, some publication I've never heard of called Sunday Mercury uh, said it's surprising that Martine McCutcheon should release a ballad as her first single rather than a catchy pop hit but what's even more surprising is how good it is it's a soulful number sung with feeling by someone blessed with a superb voice it's a slow burner but it wasn't long before I was humming it to myself goodbye Albert Square hello top of the pops and a number one hit Oh my god, okay. I'm feeling summertime slipping away, Dave, so maybe I'll move on to my number four. And um, there's a little proviso on this one, right? So um, this got a single release in January of 1999. Um, it may have appeared on an album in 98, which I realised last night. I could have swapped it for like Steel Dre or something, but I'm making the point that it's all about the single release. I I bought the cassette 
that came out in 1999 and the video certainly came out in 1999 and I think it ushered in Summertime for Humanity so here it is Um, (laughs) time's a slippery thing you know it sure is I have to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should Praise you, Fatboy Slim Um, I kind of gave Norman a bit of a drubbing when we talked about Brimful of Asha and I picked the the original version um, to go in our songs about music. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I said about his remix. It was his first number one. I think I said he just sped it up and put on some drums, which kind of did. But um, this is undeniable alchemy, I think. Um, there's a lot of samples going on. Um, it's based on a 1975 song uh, by an actor and soul singer, uh, Camille Yarborough. Uh, the original was called Take Your Praise it was uh, she was a civil rights activist and it was about a particular guy but also a message to um, African Americans in general and yeah I wonder if this came out now would there be a discussion around appropriating a song with that message and then having some fun with the video and the British guy called Norman um, you know profiting off of it but by all accounts she made huge money off it too and you know summertime for humanity people were given the benefit of the doubt and these discussions weren't had and things were brushed under the rug I think it's a great song obviously the Spike Jones video is iconic it was for people that haven't seen it it was this kind of fictional dance group I believe the Torrance Community Dance Group pitching up outside a theatre and basically doing a flash mob thing and dancing ridiculously badly and I went back to it this week it still holds up like it still brings me some something of joy and it's I guess maybe the innocence of it uh, the novelty of it because you know we're now in an age of just that being there's a whole platform for that it's TikTok I guess um and yeah, it's it's very of the time. Like all the facts around this song are, it was in Cruel Intentions. Um, Tony Blair used the song, and he, he, people were giving out because they were saying he wanted people to praise him like he should. Uh, Norman Cook was unimpressed. Um, he said it it somehow has become the anthem of the soft left. But you know, soft left, lackadaisical liberalism, principles on holidays, summertime for humanity. I think it stacks up. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I had the album uh, when it came out. Was it uh, I'm number one, so why try harder or something? Yeah, I don't know if that was the t- that was on the t-shirt. Was not on the cover art. I oh, think I had fuck. another name. Maybe what was it? Oh man, that's gonna annoy me because I had it and I played it to death. Let me look it up now. Um, yeah. I became it's one of those albums like of its time where it's like you know you buy your CDs as a kid, as a teenager, yeah. and you're like I'll play this forever. I'll learn. You've come a long way, baby. Of course, that's what it's called. Yes, Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. how did I forget that? Um, yeah, I, I was obsessed with this album. Uh, once The first time I heard the Rockefeller Skank, I was like, this is music, you know, um, which it still holds up. But like, and that was an early example for me of like a song becoming viral, you know, in a non-viral yeah. time and a non-internet age where it was just everywhere. It was just on ads and Praise You was quite similar. And I kind of couldn't believe it was by the same guy. I didn't quite know what I was getting into. And I think Praise You is amazing. I think it is timeless. When it played there, even that drop, I was like, I was transported back to the time and also simultaneously appreciate it in this moment. It's a five-star song. Um, I think Norman Cook, for whatever reason, you know, not invites scorn, but like, 
you tend to just throw them away in your mind unless you're a fan. Scene and is a fans. bit cheesy, right? And a bit but obvious, yeah, I guess. And I haven't, like, can you name, like, later Fatboy Slim, you know, like, like cuts, can you? What was that? Eat, sleep, rave, repeat. Was that him? Is I that think like that's the him. last big hit maybe or the one that you know punctured punctured my consciousness anyway I think that was him he's still massive I think he's playing three arena like you know next April or something and he obviously like you know a festival attraction for life and we'll give well, you a yeah. good set well yeah remember our experience with him where he you um, could forget <laughs> gamely he took off his own wedding ring to give to a guy who was off his face trying Proposing to propose to his, to his lady yeah in the hot press tent of course and like that yeah. was real like yo this is a, this is a moment for hot press way and it was like nah it's not it's grim it's grim stuff what are you gonna do that's the audience uh different audience for my number three though in the worst oh. um i've got a I've, I've got a strange feeling that you're gonna <laughs> that you're gonna get into this by the okay. end of it All right. but uh this was to my I, I misremembered this one i thought that this was the christmas number one in 1999 in the uk i think it was actually the runner-up but it was a real it was a real sharp battle and this nearly won here it is okay. number three I mean, that, that rhythm break is kind of undeniable, though, isn't it, Craig? You know? Oh, such gusto. I haven't heard that in years. Cliff, right? <laughs> it's, it's Sir Cliff Richard and the Millennium Prayer. Speaking An of undeniable. Prayer. <laughs> speaking of undeniable, Christ's love. Uh, yeah, here's Cliff Richard, um, who, by the way, holds both British and Barbadian citizenship. So can Rihanna have him executed? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is he a national hero? But she probably could. Um, he sold more than 250 million records worldwide, by the way. So, you know, he's uh, he, he's been on the go for quite some time. And this was the Millennium Prayer in 1999, in which the words of the Lord's Prayer are set to the tune of <gasps> Oh Lang Syne. It was a charity Unbelievable. single. <laughs> it was a charity single released in November 99. So it held on in the lead up to the new millennium, hence the name. A surprise hit. It did reach number one in the UK singles chart, but I don't, it wasn't number one at Christmas. Who do you think kept Cliff off the top spot at Christmas in 1999? Um, was it one of the Band-Aids? No, it wasn't. That would have been no. slightly think too early. Irish. Westlife or something? It was Westlife, yes. I think, was it, was, I think it was Seasons in the Sun. Um, oh my God. Maybe. I think it might have been, yeah. I could be wrong. That's incredible. I must um, say, I, was, um, uh, I put together a little mega mix that we might play in a little while. And I had some help from people that had done that kind of thing on YouTube. One of them I listened to, I was really enjoying, but Westlife and Boyzone kept popping up in between stuff. And my God, did they bring things down. It was just dreadful. So um, apparently the record label that Clifford was on, EMI, declined to release the song because they had concerns for its commercial potential. And so he went to an independent record label, and it obviously did really fucking well commercially. So, but it's all for charity, though. So I don't know. Maybe they would. Maybe they would have taken a cut. Um, can I just shock you, Craig? Please. The do. Millennium Prayer by Cliff Richard won the Ivor Novello Award no! for the best-selling single of 1999. No! <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, won the award for best-selling. Yeah. 
oh, so it, they have to give it to. It, like, it wasn't that, just like a... That's how, yeah, like, a like slip, yeah. You know, uh, error of judgment. Commercial monster. The Novellos would never... No. Well, you could <laughs> say that they were... It wasn't best song. Do you know what I mean? They, you, their hands were tied. You could say that they were, they, that they were neutral, which makes sense because Cliff Richard released the song with a neutral view of his own, stating that it was a way in which people could unite regardless of their belief system or religion that they adhere to. Uh, it was not taken from any album, but it was put on a compilation uh, and also on his 2003 album, Cliff at Christmas. I wonder, does he still put out the calendars every year? That was a whole thing where he'd like make a bundle of cash by just doing a yearly calendar. And I suppose he's getting on a bit. I hope he's doing all right. Um, and I hope he's not executed by Rihanna. Okay, my number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one of the biggest bands of the 90s. They were falling apart, but they made a masterpiece and um, could have gone with a couple of songs from them. Um, but I've gone with a single by the guitarist. So, like, I mean, I know you, I, I know you put the hard hours into this one, Craig. But did most of those hours just consist of watching Cruel Intentions? Was it <laughs> another one in Cruel Intentions? Yeah. <laughs> Can you um, tell the listener what scene it was in, Dave? Uh, I believe it's the scene in which Sarah Michelle Gellar's character uh, has a lesbian makeout session with Selma exactly Blair's right. character. Selma Blair. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I must say the indelible image of this song for me is, again, it's the video. It's the music course, video. So yeah. another moment of virality. Um, I'm not talking about that case. I'm talking about <laughs> Price You video. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. It had Milky the Milk Carton um, trying to find its way back home. And um, actually, no, it wasn't trying to find its way back home. It was trying to locate Graham Coxon, who was the aforementioned guitarist in Blur, um, who was kind of missing. His parents were worried about him. There was a whole narrative. It was a lovely, lovely little video. It's a lovely song uh, written by Graham. Um, it's about his struggles with alcoholism and trying to get through recovery in that regard. And it's very, I guess, early Blur. It's very 90s. It's very um, slacker, noisy, pavementy kind of stuff. That's a bit different to what was um, the, the rest of 13, which is definitely an album worth revisiting. Uh, as I said, they were falling apart. They were kind of bickering quite a bit. Um, tensions were high in studio, but they made something really special. It, it kicks off with Tender, which I kind of entertained Um Picking, and I do really like that song. It goes on a bit. It tries to do a bit of a Hey Jude thing. It insists upon itself a little bit, but it's, it's also, a great yeah. if, I, if I have this right, I think it's Leo Varadkar's favourite song. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't pick it then. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved this at the time. I loved the video. I thought Blur were extremely cool. I was also like, oh, wow, they've like given a side quest to the guitarist. What is going on? It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I think it captures that like end of the century existential crisis thing that was going on. It's it's end of the summer, you know. It's it's nearly back to school time, and you're feeling a bit sad. So you put on this, and um, it still works. Well, actually, speaking of the tensions in studio, uh, there was a funny quote from Alex James who plays bass and I think votes Tory and makes cheese. But just you know, recently we were talking about the the Get Back documentary and the Beatles. And he actually had a remark about um, 
people like trying to contribute to sessions and like um they were being pulled between Damon's more experimental direction and Graham's punk one and Graham kind of prevailed. And Alex James remarked, I had songs. I played them to William. This is William Orbit who took over production duties. He liked them, but I was sulking. I didn't play them to the others. Now I know how George Harrison felt. Oh, wow. As if Alex James was anywhere near George Harrison. Um, I think he also co-wrote Vindaloo. I think that's his only writing credit. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to... No you know, George like, Harrison. Yeah, but like, you know, if you're going to have one co-writing credit, you, you, you got to reserve the gold as he did. Um, I love yeah. the song. I think it has a beautiful weight to it. I think it has gorgeous yeah. melancholy and a bit of hope. Uh, the video was everywhere. It was class. And it was an example of the blur that I love. So, yeah, another another stellar pick. I mean, I, like you had your, yeah, you like the, the, it's so hard to pick just five. That There were, were, were some incredible stuff in, in 99. But there was also yeah. the, the launching of a pop career for a solo artist having left a boy band. And here he is. <laughs> Your boy, <laughs> my boy. Don't say a thing. The smile on your face lets me know that you need me. There's a truth in your eyes saying you'll never leave me. The touch of your hand says you'll catch me wherever I fall. You say it best, Craig, when you say nothing at all. It's When You Say Nothing At All by Ronan Keating. Uh, Mm. Originally a country song written by Paul Overstreet and Don Schlitz. A hit song for three different performers. Kevin Whitley, Alison Krauss and our boy, Ronan Keating. Uh, he's not my boy, by the way. I just interviewed him once. Like, what the he's, fuck? Yeah, it was a very pleasant interview, though. He's a nice like, guy. Like, yeah. But I think, like, I, I have nothing against him. Um, he's a nice guy. He was a good interview. More power to him. But I think he has been responsible for trying to hold... Yeah, yeah, war, yeah war crimes. And yeah, words in your mouth. <laughs> should be on trial in The Hague. I mean, the thing is... He's been responsible for an incredibly tepid landscape in music, I think, for the last 20 plus years. And this was the kind of, you know, the patient zero, wasn't it? This was like the fucking... Yeah, it speaks to my point where I said I was watching that compilation of like amazing 1999 stuff and then Westlife or this in particular would crop up in the middle just as a quick cut and it would really bring down the mood. And actually the, the clip of the video of him singing, I did burst out laughing because whatever clip they picked, it's him doing what I can only assume is a Ronan Keating impression like, you know, that the smile on it, like the way he over enunciates <laughs> and sings it, I'm like, he must know this is how other people joke that he like goes on. Like, do you reckon he was asked by his UK record label to be more Irish, to be, ampl- be, yeah, be more Ronan? Yeah, a bit. I well, this, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Was this used in... This Was was this a Notting Hill song? Correct, it was. Okay, yeah. And I've never seen that film for, for a couple of reasons. And this is one of them. Um, <laughs> I've just zero interest in it. And it's like, yeah, it's, even the video to this is so insipid. He's on a park bench and like... Yeah, the There's bench. some like weird Robbie Williams lookalike man getting in people's faces with like a mobile phone or something. And it's like, you know, all yardy. Was that He's like the... Well, he's the in the Welsh film. best mate. Okay, he's, he's not yeah. in the video larking about Well, no, they probably, they probably do some interstitial like stuff from the film and stuff but like yeah I was just like Notting Hill looked like fucking garbage and this song is garbage uh, nice man shame about the music uh, Daily Record said that Keaton sounds like Marty Pello on this drippy ballad <laughs> it is that kind of way isn't it 
It did yeah. feel like it was like trying to do the love is all around thing from Four Weddings. This with Notting Hill. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Anytime Marty Pello is mentioned now, I just think of that Limmy sketch. I don't, Go on. I don't know if you know it. It's where he just pitches up at a at a bar and interrupts like a group that are chatting away and starts telling this very um, grand story. And it's just about <laughs> some young lad in the 80s pitching up at a bar just like this and like starting to sing karaoke <laughs> and like they're all just on tenter hooks. He's not really saying anything. And he just goes, yeah, the crowd went wild, not a dry eye in the house. And you know who that lad was? And he just goes, Marty Pello. And they lose it. They're like, what? <laughs> you need to watch it. It's great. It's I'll check it out. Another um, one of your mates. Yeah, uh, Limmy, yeah. He he was a better interview than... No, Ronald Keaton was a good interview to, to, to his credit. But like, it's just... I mean, like, it is a harmless song. It's a harmless career, but it's so boring. It's like, really? Like, how can you be proud of this, you know? A harmless career is a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's going to be his fucking biography title. Go on. Yeah, really should. Okay, my runner-up. Um, and yet, yeah, in the spirit of... Um, I actually did know about this band due to, at the time, their appearance on Jules Holland. It was probably one of my first episodes of Jules that I saw. And the lead singer was playing a theremin and a massive gong and he looked like a kind of Midwestern Doctor Who. And this was before the popular Doctor Who reboot, which I think was 20, 2006 maybe, Chris Eccleston. Anyway, a man and a band ahead of their time. It was 1999. Here's the song. <laughs> <laughs> Flaming Lips, it's a race for the prize um, from the Soft Bulletin, which is an absolute masterpiece. And yeah, there might be a bit of a team developing here where I think maybe the Flaming Lips, I mean, I love their last album. They've done some great stuff, but another one of those 1999 acts that have sometimes descended into parody and we have a very different vision of them now. But I remember back then they were just kind of a bit otherworldly. They seemed... Um, out there in a really enjoyable way. Wayne Coyne hadn't started to great as he does on a lot of people. And I think, yeah, I mean, Summertime needs some hippies, which they were. Uh, they'd had a long career as well. Kind of a Chili Pepper story with a lot less success. And they represent sense of optimism. They were having a real moment in the sun um, with Soft Bulletin after, I think their 1997 album was the one where they nearly went bust making it was an album where you had to play like four different CDs all at once on different hi-fis to get the full effect and it just apparently it's great when you actually pull it off but it was like what are they doing this is like a commercial um, this is a commercial disaster they pulled it back Dave Friedman on production there's so many great songs in this I adore this one this was about Wayne Coyne losing his father to cancer uh, a couple of years prior and yeah just in typical flaming lips fashion it becomes a fantastical thing it's about two scientists ra- racing for a cure um, for cancer and he's actually talked about the meaning of the song and actually taps into what the time was like and he said you know so many people look at themselves as artists and anything that comes out of their fingertips is good scientists don't have that luxury they can't just say I have the cure for cancer and it's pink with dots on it isn't it great they actually have to do the work um, he goes on to say basically like 
it was time to step up to the plate and say, here's what we have to offer. You know, we act like music is the biggest deal ever, but it's all self-serving. It doesn't actually help the world. Um, actually, this quote was Stephen Dredd's talking. He said, our generation never cared about these things. It was always about us. Like with the cancer thing, we think someone is going to find a cure. Not us, but someone. In fact, it's never going to get done if we don't do it. So tapping into kind of optimism in the 90s, kind of the slackerdom, the jaded sensibilities of that generation in a really beautiful way. Yeah, no, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous sentiment and an amazing song. Um, yeah. I mean, a hell of a band. I mean, like a band that I've always struggled to get on with over the course of a full record generally, mm. but they do have some incredible individual moments. Um, I must make myself a playlist or something. But in the meantime, we will close out by going back to Bad Town. And um, 1999, I mean, like top 30 hits comes to mind a lot and a lot of terrible, terrible dance songs. Some good ones too, though. Um, yep. But it was a big year for dance. Um, you know, kind of of all of all import. Uh, you got your Darude Sandstorms. You got your Alice DJ Better Off Alones. You got your ATB 9pm Till I Come. You got like Sash was still hanging around, I think, with like oh, yeah. Adelante and that kind of stuff. There was Zombie Nation as well. There was all all kinds of things happening. And I mean, ultimately, you know, with, with, with the good, you get the bad. And, you know, I thought about this. I was like, what? is the best representative people have probably already figured out what it is you probably know what it is but before we get there i thought about stuff like two times by Anne lee and i was like ultimately <laughs> you know i well yeah it is but i there's something i went back to it and there's something about it where i i, I think it, it almost justifies its kind of irritating nature you know and then you okay. got like you got like because it feels like a curio then you got stuff like shanks and bigfoot with sweet like chocolate and i'm like yeah there was a lot of those kind of they almost felt like novelty songs but a bit too good like there was effort put into them yeah yeah yeah. like kind of paper thin and almost designed to be tinny and annoying but kind of has charm um there was a bunch of those and i was like okay cool but the top dog i mean like you know I, i'm no venga boys fan craig but you could make the argument that like it was in on the joke you know and it, it yeah. almost deserved its kind of shelf life which continues to this day somehow but one song more than any other um i thought was just complete trash i think it is complete trash although there is one little element to it that i think is kind of okay but generally as a rule it should be stamped out of existence so here's my number one baby and she is so blue I'm blue. It's right blue. Choice. It's blue. Dabadi. Uh, blue open brackets. Dabadi close brackets by Eiffel 65, an Italian trio at the time, a duo now, I believe. And it was an assault on the charts and an assault on music and the senses as well. It's the sound of um, the sound of terrible teenage discos where you don't get the shift, you know. Although, of course, you know, not if you're Craig. I'm sure Craig did very, very well for himself back in the day. Not but when we'll I was ta- 10, a teenage disco. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time. Um, I hate it. I think it sucks. I hate it too. Uh, uh, and I thought it was, you know, I know Adam is a huge Marvel fan. Adam's a big Marvel Cinematic Universe guy. And mm. this, of course, opens up Iron Man 3. And I remember sitting there in the cinema when this came on and I was like, well, something's gone wrong. There's no <laughs> way that this is on here. Oh, it's ironic. And I like Iron Man 3, but Jesus. Um, can you name their follow-up single, Craig? Could you possibly? I actually can't. But you know what? 
it could be Crazy Frog a few years later because this feels like the genesis of that. And remembering the video, wasn't it kind of a 3D blue people thing going on? A very excited Adam, a very excited Adam has just typed into the group chat, move your body. It is. Is he correct? He is correct. I think I couldn't even home it. Adam knows. Um, Written by their lead singer, Jeffrey J, and keyboardist Maurizio Labina, and their producer, Massimo Gabuti. I went to see House Gucci this week, by the way. Bad villain. Beautiful pronunciation. Bad villain. Oh, trash. And like, boy, Talk to me about Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, at least he... Well, he's doing what I just did there, except 10 times more. I mean, like, Jared Leto and Al Pacino, like, at least they bring some life into this film. Okay. It's two and a half hours long. feels about two days long. Lady Gaga, who I thought was quite good in A Star Is Born, is fucking dreadful in this film. Oh, wow. I hate it. I hate it, man. It's a bad movie. Really, really boring. So boring. But not boring is Blue Dabadi. Um, they came up with the idea for a dance song. The inspiration for the lyrics was how a person chooses their lifestyle. The color blue is the main theme of the song. It was picked at random uh, with Lobina telling <laughs> him to write nonsensical lyrics. And then they pitch after the vocal effect with the harmonizer. The song's lyrics tell a story about a man who lives in a blue world. It explains that he's blue inside and outside, which alongside the lyric himself and everybody around, because he ain't got nobody to listen. And blue are the feelings that live inside me. It may indicate that the term blue represents his emotional state. However, yeah. the song also explains that a vast variety of what he owns is also blue, including his house and his car. Different blue coloured objects are also picked on the singles cover. Um, the one bit I like in the song that I mentioned at the top is I have a girlfriend and she is so blue. I, I think there's something kind of maybe in there. There's something maybe kind of in there on a, you know... Like uh, blue as in sadness? Yeah, on a depthful... Because she's putting up with this clown. Like, like on a depthful <laughs> level. I was like, maybe that's we'll kind of knowing... deeper in the, the Song Exploder episode. <laughs> 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 uh, it received mixed reviews from critics. Uh, Larry Flick from Billboard, what a name, said that the hook here with its dancey but curiously compelling sing-songy rhythm and lyric is destined to reach instantly, react instantly with listeners far and wide. Um, I think people just put up with this. They were like, it's great. Rolling Stone didn't, though. They reviewed the album, which was called Europop, and they gave this a negative review, saying that the song blends Sure-esque vocoder vocals, trance-like synth riffs, unabashed Euro-disco beats, and a baby babble chorus so infantile it makes the Teletubbies sound like Shakespeare. Music journalism oh, nice. was at a whole other level in 1999. Massive chart topper. Uh, it actually got a boost when Iron Man 3 came out back in 2013. And to this day they'd be pitching up at some fucking bullshit festival forever because that's what we did we are responsible for lots of crimes in this world we have done lots of bad things and getting this song into the top of the charts may be the most heinous crime of all well another heinous crime is maybe getting a snippet of this song into a mega mix I have to, before my number one do you want a mega mix <laughs> well hang on who, who helped you with this you said, you said that you, you contacted people who were more familiar I mean, did you hook them no, with some no no I didn't contact people I looked there was YouTube <laughs> videos that were like 20 minutes long of okay. all the big songs so it just gave me a structure and then I picked and chose and I thought you editing. like hung out with influencers for the week or something <laughs> imagine <laughs> yeah my Vice article is coming in January <laughs> here's the mega mix just uh, tr- see I don't know maybe we'll react over it or something hit it adam we'll see how we go <laughs> this was a terrible idea <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> it's already great still snoop dog and di you're a rock star hello the boys thanks Big ear for Jamiroquai? Oh, oh wow. Tupac. Big song. I never want to 
gonna feel safe. <laughs> I already picked this. As well. I already picked yeah. this for worse. I already picked it. Oh, what a fucking banger. Another kind of novelty. Yay! Yay! Oh, I should have been your number one. I love this. <laughs> so I love that song. <laughs> okay, let's let's be a famous German Lubega. Oh my god, Maria. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember how long this is. It's nearly over then. <laughs> We're gonna get so many copyright strikes. Shit, man. Well done, Craig. They're all short clips. We're laughing. Yeah! The rhythm divine! <laughs> what a callback! <laughs> that must be it. Oh, there. Yeah! Amazing. Amazing stuff. All timer. Oh, I fucking love this song. I love this song. I was obsessed with this song. So good. So you're Brad Pitt. That don't impress me much. <laughs> Yay! The lads. Tune, what a duet. Brian Adams and Melcy. He took her off the fucking the album version. They will only make you feel ugly. And that's it. Another novelty. Big Baz Lerman there at the end, was it? It is, yeah. That was nineteen ninety nine as well. That was quite a journey. Jesus Christ, I'm that was a rush. Glad I did that. I, I am know. glad you did it too. I, we I, do my number one. Yes. <laughs> what? Did, talk gonna, me through your feelings there, Dave. I was gonna say like I'm never gonna sleep tonight. Now the adrenaline is coursing through my veins. I hope Adam can make sense of all our wild football esque reactions there. Um, there was a lot to talk about there. I I I just feel emotional, really. Um, I, I live in the Vida Loca, by the way. Just to pick one of those. I think it's an incredible song. And back in the days when I was in a band, our guitarist was too serious for it. So he wouldn't let us, we wanted to do a cover of it. And he was like, no. Oh, like, oh man. man. It's such a good song. Also, um, um, yeah. can't believe you didn't pick Maria as your number one, which can only mean that your number one is, of course, the imperious Wild Wild West by Will Smith. You are incorrect, sir. Oh, man. Here's some nightmare fuel for those dreams if you ever get them tonight, Dave. Apex Twin, Window Liquor, one of our own, Limerick's own, Sure, <laughs> T. James. You hipster son of a gun. I think it's the best song released that year, probably, wow. isn't it? It's up there. I mean, it's a high watermark, I think, for electronic music and humanity in general. Um, and do you know what? Probably fits the bill in terms of we talked so much about viral videos, kind of proto-memeable moments. Um you will, of course, remember the extended Chris Cunningham video that accompanied this, which was like a parody of 
like gangster rap videos at the time and some kind of horrifying stuff going on there. It wasn't quite come to daddy. Um, it was a bit more playful and fun than that. And then you've got the tune, which kind of shifts and warps and it's been described as eerie lounge porn music, which I think fits the bill. But you've got like the abrasive noise ending, just the drum and bass kind of intro. And it was, I think it got to, it was definitely top 20. It got something like 15, 14, 13. It was a fairly sizable hit for a weird piece of music, but there is kind of hooks galore within those textures. I think it's one of the best things he ever did and probably the most commercial. So it was just a really good union there. And yeah, this was like, you would see the uncensored version after like 11 on MTV and you kind of be drawn in and have to watch the whole thing and not quite know what was going on or what Avex Twin was, but it was very 1999. Yeah, I love the, like, that kind of sense of you're watching something forbidden and, like, you know, the, yeah. the band video, all that kind of jazz, which, again, had a certain kind of, you know, it, like, we don't talk about that anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. Even, like, now, 2021, I'm currently, like, putting together, like, a music quiz for, like, Joe or whatever. And I'm, like, yeah. I'm doing a music video round. And I'm, like, there, what what were the standout music videos of this year? There were barely any. Like, there, it's not really a thing. And it had so much kind of cultural weight to it back then, uh, whether it was banned or not. It was just this kind of, the way that you experience music in a lot of ways, it was so much less accessible. And, yeah, there was a, a real errant kind of, treat to being like oh i want to watch this fucking mtv2 video at like half 11 at night and oh no yeah. my, my parents coming down the stairs uh, i'll throw on like i don't know news night see i'm not watching <laughs> this terrifying video and yeah to this day haunting imagery incredible song uh you're a hipster sorry that's i'm a hipster till the end it has to end <laughs> like this i could have gone with 10 year old maybe i should have um caleb listeners of show picked living a vida loca as number one you'd so be glad good. to hear it is so good when it's i heard that incredible. Clip, just like it's uh, undeniable to use one of my favorite words it mm. really is but then again you know it was that kind of year dave it was that kind of year and it was a year in which many champions were held aloft but of course i don't know what he was doing in 1999 because he's younger than we are was he even around who knows but he's around now and we love him to bits he is Sonic architect Adam Shanahan, who has steered this ship so ably over the course of this year. There's two episodes left to go, but as long as I'm thanking people, we thank him every week. We love him to bits. Uh, he makes the show yeah. what it is, and it's because of him that we're here. So, you know. 100%. Give some love yeah, to the boy. We love you, buddy. And uh, if you want to give love to the show, you can at patreon.com slash noencore. We're coming into Christmas. We don't expect anything of you, but if you're if you're feeling generous, you know, if you want to buy us a pint in these times when we can't meet up and hang out together, who knows? Maybe we can do that in the future sometime. Maybe possibly. I don't know. The world is a scary place, but 1999 was an amazing time, as Craig's unbelievable monologue <laughs> attested to. We're back next week with the best songs of 2021, and we're back one week after that with the best albums of 2021. I'm looking forward to those. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And yeah, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore, and but there will always be 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.